0: This is The Camp with Zach Heilprin and the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Welcome into The Camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. No Jesse Temple today. he will be back with me tomorrow. We'll break down practice number four. Badgers were on the field earlier today for practice number three. And we'll get to that. We also have uh, plenty of questions to get to. Ask for questions on Twitter. And uh, we'll answer those here in a little bit, best I can. A lot of still unknown here, just three practices into fall camp. So, unfortunate uh, that I can't get to – I don't have answers for all of them yet, but I'll try my best. I'll try my best. And we'll also talk a little bit about, in those questions, what's happening in the Big Ten as it's gone from (laughs) uh, Washington and Oregon joining to them not joining to staying in the Pac-12 to all these different things to finally – them coming into the Big Ten, being invited into the Big Ten, and that likely going to be the case. And so uh, there's some questions thrown in there as well. Before we get to that, let's start with practice number three of spring. It was with shoulder pads on, so there was a little bit more contact. If you want some video, obviously UW has their video up, but uh, posted some video as well from what I captured from practice. You can find that up on our YouTube. If you haven't subscribed, we appreciate it. I promised I wasn't going to keep pushing the YouTube, even after uh, once we got to a 1,000 subscribers, we got to a 1,000 subscribers this morning, so I'm going to stop pushing it. But there is plenty of good stuff up there. You can hear from Luke Fickle, who talked to us after practice, and you can also see the video from uh, the first third 30 minutes of practice. We can only shoot for 30 minutes, so we don't get any of the good stuff, all the good stuff that UW then puts out later on with some of the plays. And I guarantee you, one of the plays that they're going to put up is this catch by Bryson Green. We talked about him the first two days. Really, the first day, how he stood out, how impressive he was, his physicalness, his catching, how he caught the ball, and just his look, and just how he belonged almost right from the minute. And that's exactly what we expected coming from Oklahoma State, but we didn't see it in the spring. So we had to wait for this fall camp to see what was going to happen, and he showed today exactly what they've been waiting for. I mean, this was a play the camp so far, play the easily play the day, probably play the camp a little shot down the field. Ball was a little under thrown. So it kind of turned into a 50, 50 ball. He turned around. He had two guys on him. He had a cornerback. He had a safety coming. It was Austin Brown. It was Jones to and he just went up over both of them and jumped up, grabbed the ball, held onto it, took a shot, went down and uh, it was 30, 35 plus yards. It was, exactly the type of play that you, if you turn on his Oklahoma State film, you saw. It was as impressive of a catch as uh, I've seen in a fall camp. And again, you're going to probably see it and you're be like, yeah, whatever. But in the moment, it was exactly the type of play that Wisconsin needed, uh, needs from Bryson Green. It's why you brought him in. And I think especially that's going to be the case once you get down into the red zone. Uh, this one was not in the red zone, but it was still a hell of a catch. And, and easily, in my mind right now, the play of camp so far offensively. Outside of that, it was a little bit of a tough day for the offense, um, specifically Braden Locke. Uh, Braden Locke did not have a good day through three interceptions. Um, and it was honestly the cornerbacks really, really, really playing aggressively that they were able to jump a couple out routes. And again, I don't, I don't know that those are passes that they're going to be able to play that way normally. It's possible that it was because of the type of uh, period that they were running, that they knew those those type of balls were going to be coming. But they jumped him. Uh, Niger Forkran had one. Uh, Forkaren, excuse me, had had an interception. So did uh, Owen Arnett, who took it back for a touchdown. So there were, uh, you know, Preston Zackman had an interception on a deep ball from Braden Locke that was extremely, extremely underthrown. So it was not a good day for Braden Locke at all. Tanner Mordecai also threw an interception. It was more of a miscommunication, it looked like, because Jim Radeke was outside with the corner. And. He threw it back inside and Kamoi Latu was just was right there for the interception. So a little bit uh, of a step back. For the most part, though, I didn't think Tanner Mordecai had a bad day. That interception obviously certainly uh, stood out. And and it wasn't like Raiden Locke didn't have some good passes. He did. There was a um, he hit Jack Pugh on a double move, which counteracts some of that, that aggressiveness from the corners, certainly. And he was able to hit him down the field for a big gain. Um, he hit a whole shot to Quincy Burrows between two defenders down the left sideline. I'm talking about Braden Locke. So there were some good plays from Braden, but there were probably too many negatives. And after his third, it might have been his second or third interception, he got pulled, and they put in um, they put in Miles Burkett in his place. So for f- for the next five plays, five six plays, so it was a it wasn't his best day. It wasn't his his best day, um, at all, at all. So it, that's tough. That's tough because it, it we know how good he was in the spring. We we all know that. We talked about it. He took over and and was really consistent throughout. He was probably the better quarterback in the spring game too, though. I don't know that that necessarily took a lot um, from from what we saw from Tanner Mordecai that day. But he uh, it's been a little bit of a tough start for him, and we'll see if he's able to. To fix that and, and get back on track, but the defense is ahead of the offense, and I think certainly that's to be expected. There were some nice plays from the offense. Uh, Tanner Mordecai found Skylar Bell for a long touchdown during a pressure period. Uh, he beat the blitz, and then it was just one on one between Skylar Bell and a safety. And Skylar Bell is going to take that uh, more often than not. Um, there was a really nice ball over the middle from Tanner Mordecai to Tim Ray Dike for a first down in a uh, in one of the periods. But the defense continues to put some pressure on the quarterbacks and on the offense and make it very, very difficult. And, again, that's not a big surprise. I mean, you could look back at every single camp since 2013. That has been the case where the defense has made things difficult for the offense. And there's been some really talented offensive players in this last decade, um, and they've they've made it difficult on them uh, a bunch. So that's not a huge surprise. Uh, A couple guys on defense that stood out in addition – to some of the interceptions. I thought Rodas Johnson continues to stand out, had a sack. Jordan Turner had a would-be sack. Um, I continually think that when the pads come on, or maybe I never shouldn't say when the pads come on, when games come, these safeties, if this was the 1990s or even the early 2000s, they are a physical headhunting type of group. Like they belong to play. They believe they should be playing in the era of uh J because these guys i mean every time you you get into a hole when it's Bray, Braylon Allen coming through and you've got Kamui Latu coming up to stuff it it is a situation where there is contact and you know it's it's shoulder pads and helmets right now it's not supposed to be not supposed to be anything big and Kamui Latu is putting it to them so i, I that is they have some guys that, that love to hit Austin Brown's another one of them They've got some they've got some guys are going to come up and and lay the wood to you. And I certainly think that that's going to be good for them, um, assuming they can keep it legal, obviously. But uh, got some headhunters back there. Um, Back in the day, you would call them headhunters. They're obviously not anymore. You hit the head. You're you're out of the game. But some really, really good players on the back end for them. So um, defensively, formation wise, we saw a lot of uh, different things happening these first three days. Day one. A lot of four two five. They're they're nickel that we've seen so much. You know, two down linemen, you got the two outside linebackers, you got the two inside linebackers, and then the five DBs saw that day one a bunch. Day two, we got to see that dollar package that we saw a bunch in the spring where it's essentially six DBs, and you have two down linemen. You have an outside linebacker essentially playing as another defensive lineman lined up over the tackle slash tight end. And then you've got two inside linebackers, and then a big, a, a small. Linebacker, Hunter Woller coming up and playing towards the uh the front half opposite of the uh of the other outside linebacker. He's essentially an outside linebacker, but he can he can drop into coverage, he can play the run, he can blitz. There's a lot of things you can do with that spot, and then you have the other five DBs. So that is something that we saw on day two. Day three brought base three, four. We saw the the three-down linemen, the four linebackers, and the four DBs. Um and that was something that we haven't necessarily seen a ton of. Uh, we didn't see a ton of in spring. I imagine tomorrow we may see a little three three five, 3 which is what obviously they brought from from Cincinnati. But again, I, as we have mentioned throughout this week, I think multiple is the word to use with this defense. There's no doubt about that. There's going to be a multiple defense showing different things, different times to, to mess with offenses, and it could be week to week. One week, you may be playing a certain style against a Washington State st- type of offense, and then you're going to be playing maybe a different type of offense. Um, and you're going to be throwing something different defensively. And they have the bodies to do it, they have the knowledge to do it because they've played a whole bunch of different things. And uh, I think they have the coaching staff's trust that they're going to be able to do it too. A lot of guys with a lot of experience, um, even if they don't necessarily have the playmakers that we've seen in past years with a Keanu Benton or a Nick Herbig, they do have. Uh, a ton of experience and guys that I think are going to step up and, and uh, make a bunch of plays. So that is what uh, I have for practice today. We'll, we'll, we'll get another practice on Saturday. They practice Sunday and then they practice Monday night before coming back to Madison. So we've got three more practices. Jesse will be back with me on Saturday, break down that practice. Also uh, then be back on Tuesday, probably to break down Sunday and Monday as uh, the Badgers then come back to Madison. All right, let's get into some of these, questions that i got on twitter there's a lot of them but we'll start with uh, a question that i kind of got into yesterday and is um about phil longo it's uh, Deonta asks phil longo has had success everywhere he's coached why are there thoughts that it won't work here he turned around a triple off, uh, option team in an off season i don't know that and again i don't know if this question was directed at me because of what I said yesterday where I, th- where I think maybe things are not going to hit the ground running as quickly as everybody is hoping. Um, I do think it's going to work eventually. Like I, I have a ton of trust in Phil Longo and what he's been able to do at other places, whether it was turning a triple option team into the top-ranked passing team in the conference the following year or what he was able to do at Ole Miss or what he was able to do at North Carolina. He's had success where he's gone running this type of scheme, and I don't think Wisconsin's any different. But I do think That doing it at the Big Ten level, as opposed to what he did at Sam Houston State, is a little bit different. It's a little bit different, and the type of athletes that were playing at North Carolina and the type of players that they had there a little bit different than what Wisconsin has too. Um, You know, if he's going to get a Sam Howell type performance out of Tanner Mordecai, well, then maybe there's something we can. Then maybe I can get on board with it um, being being right away, and they're going to be able to put points up on anybody, but. Again, I think I think it's going to work. I just think it's going to take a little bit. I just think it's going to take a f- more than day ten of fall camp, which is what Jesse was kind of saying that they, you know, they'll be in a better spot ten days into it. Of course, they're going to be in a better spot. Are they going to be at their end spot? Are they going to be hitting it all on all cylinders on day ten of fall camp? Absolutely not. So I think it may just take a few weeks into the season. I think the Texas, I think the uh, Washington State game is a huge, huge challenge for them. I think it's a huge. Um, Not a barrier, but a huge test mark for them to see where they are, to see where they are in in, as an offense, because uh, Washington State's defense had some success in in getting after them last year in the passing game um, and and really caused havoc for Graham Mertz. Now, again, this is a much different offense than the one that they faced last year. So but I do think that's going to be a a good gauge of where the offense is, is when they go out to to Pullman in what will essentially be a night game four thirty kick out there against a team that uh, wants to prove that last year was not a fluke and that they are, uh, that they can play on the same level as the big 10 teams. And, you know, especially now that half their conference is is leaving, including a couple teams coming or four teams come to the big 10. So I think there's going to be a little, some overtones to that, but I do believe in Phil Longo. I do. It's just a matter of whether it's going to hit the ground running from the outset. And I'm a little, Skeptical that it is going to do that. Uh, Let's get to Matthew's question. He says, is pace of play similar to spring ball? Is everything out of shotgun in this offense? If so, is the jet sweep dead? Uh, The pace of play similar to spring ball. It's been a little bit slower in team periods than it was in the spring. I think maybe we'll get it turned up here as we get a a little bit further along, which is what's happened in spring as well. And in terms of everything out of the shotgun, absolutely. Absolutely everything out of the shotgun. I have not seen a snap under center yet in three days. Now, that's not saying it's not going to happen. We saw it in the spring a couple plays. It didn't go overly well. But, yeah, I don't expect to see a ton of under the quarterback under the uh, under the center. It's just not what Phil Long was about. Does that mean the jet sweep is dead? I think that the jet sweep, it's not that you can't put guys in motion, right? Like, I think there's there's still going to be – jet sweep motion. I think there's going to be, it's just going to look a little bit different and um, you know, getting the balls, getting the ball into the guy's hand that's coming across and maybe a pass, it may be a pass backwards. Um, There are some things that they've been working on that I won't delve into, but they're going to get the ball in the hands of some guys that can make some plays in different ways. And, and maybe some of them may look similar to what the jet sweep, was um eli says i know everyone is focused on the offense becoming more modern and rightfully so but i'm more curious on how the defense looks it's a new philosophy and scheme under trestle how have the guys adjusted will our defense still be high tier based on early returns yes they're going to be uh still very very good i thought it was interesting in talking to mumajang meta last week i know everyone was saying the right things around the time that this whole switch was made, but I think they had some convincing to do. I think Mike Tressel and Luke Fickle and some of the assistants had some convincing to do among the returning guys because of what had worked prior. Wisconsin has been one of the best since 2013, since the 3-4 scheme came with Dave Aranda and Gary Anderson, something you can thank him for. Um, since then, and and obviously they've changed it up a little bit, and it's a lot of four, two, five. I get that. It's not necessarily the base defense all the time. But since 2013, they've been one of the best defenses in the country. I think you, if you look over time, and obviously Georgia's been amazing these last few years, but Alabama's been off the charts. And I would say Alabama has the best defense since 2013. But you can't put it together a top five worth of defenses over the last 10 years. That doesn't include Wisconsin in terms of consistent defensive play. So they've been that good for that long. And I don't think that's going to stop. And they had to do a little bit convincing. And Moomajang Menace said that I was hesitant at first to accept what they were trying to do. But after looking into it, after reading about it, after watching film with it, I feel a lot more comfortable. and feel that this is something that we're going to be able to uh, do and do well. And it's early, but they've done it and they've done it well. And I'm really anxious to see exactly um, how they attack it, as I was talking about earlier the ways that they can attack offenses, that's going to be, I think, one of the more intriguing storylines throughout the entire year is how multiple can they actually be. Um, one of the guys that I think a lot of people are curious about, Jamel Howard, he was a big recruiting win for Wisconsin out of, out of the Chicago area. Uh, Greg Scruggs wanted him badly. The defensive line coach wanted him badly. He got him. Um, so uh, Butterbilt says, can Jamel Howard be the impact player wisconsin needs in the interior and i know there are a couple other people that asked about jamel howard as well and how he's looking he is all of 320 pounds i can promise you that he has not gotten a ton of reps in team drills uh, with with the other guys but this is i i caution by saying that i caution making any adju- uh, judgments based on the first three days because like me and jesse have talked about it keanu benton his first few days were, was not impressive he was just it was a wasn't good it wasn't good his first few days and he ended up starting his freshman year so take it for what it's worth uh but jamel howard has got a ton of reps he is a big boy he is um powerful we've got to see that in some one-on-ones they put him they put him against uh uh another freshman in one-on-ones in front of the entire team in a pass uh pass blocking pass rushing drill uh, at the start of camp on Wednesday, on Friday, and he won his he won his match, and people loved it. So I think he's got. I think they have a really good player there. Unfortunately, he went down with an injury late in practice. I don't know exactly his status. It looked like a right foot injury. Um, he had a shoe off, and so that he was being looked at. So I don't know exactly how bad that injury is. Um, it's unfortunate because he is. Um, that big body that they don't ha- necessarily have. I mean, they've moved Geo out to defensive end. They don't necessarily have a ton of nose tackles when you say this guy's going to play nose tackle, that he's got the nose tackle body. Jamel Howard has the nose tackle body. And so we'll see exactly uh, if, if that injury is going to keep him out significant time or, or no time at all. But um, early returns are he's he's physical, physical presence, we'll see if it actually translates into onto the football field. Cause it reminds me, and it's not fair at all. So like I talk about Keanu Benton, I also talk about Jeremy Patterson um, who came out of Georgia was a guy that they beat some teams for and really liked, but it just never happened. And some of it was, he just couldn't get his weight under control. And some of it was, um, you know, football wasn't necessarily the most important thing to him and a great kid, a great kid, but, it wasn't always uh, football first, and so I don't know that to be the case with Jamal Howard at all. So I'm not again. That's past, but it, it, those are the these are the type of bodies that come in, and you're like, can they be this guy? And uh, Jamal Howard has the body type to be a elite, to be a elite, to be a very good defensive, uh, to be a very. Jamal Howard has the body type to be a very good nose tackle. We'll see if it ends up um, being anything. Uh, the Derry Raid. Have you seen how the running backs are being utilized in the passing game, especially if and when two backs are in the backfield? We have seen that. They have been a very big part of the offense so far. And again, Jesse and I talked about this yesterday. A lot of short passes, a lot of passes out to the flat getting the running backs uh, the ball in their hands and letting them do some work. I think an extension, a little bit, an extension of the passing of the, uh, the run game, getting them out there and letting some of the wide receivers block in front of them. I did see something today where they had two backs in there and then they had Will Paul in motion. And one of the running backs kind of act as a lead blocker. When you throw it to, you throw it to Will Paul and I think it was Braylon Allen out, out blocking. So they're going to use those guys in, in various, various ways. And we, we've kind of seen that so far, but a lot of it is just a lot of swing passes and a lot of just getting them out in space and letting them uh, try and be athletes, which again, we know that that's kind of what Phil Longo wants to do. Um, Adam asks, how is the overall energy of the players better than priors in early fall camp? Unfortunately, the only thing that we we don't get to talk, we haven't talked to the players. We haven't talked to players these three days. Um, we don't get to talk to them for a little bit more um, down in Platteville. From the outside, from just that 30 minutes where I get to walk around the field and and take pictures and take video, um, it's a high-energy practice. It's exactly like it was in the spring, and that's exactly what I would expect it to be because <laughs> that's what this staff is about. That's what Luke Fickle is about. So, yeah, I think it's it's been high energy, and the players have kind of um, held up their end of it to this point but again it's early and we haven't talked to him so I wouldn't I don't feel overly comfortable doing that um, follow-up question for fun Adam says first offensive play against Buffalo run or pass I'm going run because I feel like Phil Long was be like I told you I was going to run the ball I told you I was going to run the ball I'm going to run the ball um, but I could also see him wanting to show everybody how good the passing game is too I don't if I had to take a bet, I mean, it's, it's honestly 50-50, in my opinion. I'm going to say run. I'm going to say run. I'm going to say Braylon Allen run up the middle. Very, very unique and uh, flashy from Phil Longo to start things. Um, Badger fan asked, what player, if lost to injury, would trash their season? He thinks it's Jake Renfro. I don't think it's Drake, Jake Renfro. I'm a, I think Jake Renfro is good. I'm a Tattermore leading guy. I think Tanner can play whatever position it is along the offensive line. And if it's center, I think he'll be just fine. I think they'll be just fine. Um, you know, Jake is battling right now. Uh, I know they said that he was going to be limited, but he's gone through some team drills with the second team. Um, was a little slow to get up today after uh, after a play and was limping around. It's, I mean, he's not completely healthy yet at this point, uh, but he went back in. So he's fighting through it. He's trying to fight through it. And we'll see exactly how that plays out down the line but right now it's tanner tanner bordellini is the center and jake renfro has not gotten any first team reps at uh at center and a lot of the second team reps have gone to joe huber uh, renfro's gotten a little bit but i again i i know they're he is limited but he is getting some time in full team drills and it's not with the first team yet so um I think they like Tanner Bordellini. I think they feel comfortable if he was their center, and I certainly uh, feel comfortable, would feel comfortable about it as well. So it would not be Jake Renfro. I, it's hard not to pick Tanner Mordecai just because he's the quarterback of an offense that is quarterback-driven, and what I've seen from Braden Locke to this point doesn't give you a ton of uh, confidence. Uh, Braden Locke in fall camp it does not give you a ton of confidence if Tanner Mordecai were to go down, that he'd be able to step in and there wouldn't be any drop-off. Um, so I think Tanner Mordecai as you know even as he's been not so high not so low he's still gives them their best chance to win I, I would probably say I would probably say him I would probably say him um though I mean you could I guess you could throw the running backs in there just because there's not a ton of ton of depth after them but I feel like Phil Long would find different ways to get the ball to his playmakers if that were the case. If they were without Braylon or if they were without Chez, he'd be able to figure out a different way to to move the ball. But Tanner Mordecai, his experience, everything like that, he'd be uh, he'd be my guy. Um, Mike asks, do you, th- do you anticipate teams to load the box initially against this Badger offense until they prove that they can throw the ball around? Honestly, I kind of do. Show me. Show me, and I'll respect it. Until then, no. But, again, go back and talk about Phil Longo's history and what he's done at other schools. You kind of got to respect it. You kind of got to respect it. But um, I think because it's Wisconsin, because it's still a team that's going to want to us to run the ball with Braylon Allen and, and Chesma Lucy and be physical and, and get downhill on guys, even though they are going to do it in different ways, I still think teams are probably going to force – Wisconsin into showing that they can move the ball through the air on a consistent basis. Um, Brendan asks, how is the offensive line handling the increased pace? Are they getting set quickly? Are there many procedural penalties? Does it seem like they have the endurance for long drives? I know that this was a huge, huge issue in the spring. Um, Not so much. Well, I guess the procedural penalties were, were a bit of an issue, but it was the pace of things. The guys after a drive after six or seven plays of boom, 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 boom. We're struggling to get off the field. And we know that because uh, of what they had done previously, it was a huge, huge change. I haven't seen them as fast paced as we have seen um, prior to uh, in spring ball. So it's it's a little bit different. I think they're going to kick it up here at some point and we'll get to see, but I know that Tanner uh, bordellini, when we talked to him before, Paul Camp started. He said that, yeah, they they had to get adjusted to it. They felt like they kind of did towards the end of spring and certainly into summer and trained like they knew that they were going to have to be part of the uh that it was going to be a huge thing and they're going to be able to be able to go through into the third quarter, fourth quarter, and be able to still be this uh, fast paced offense. I think another thing that plays into this though is the idea by Jack McNeil, the offensive line coach, wanting to play more than. Five guys. Like he wants to play potentially seven or eight guys. And if that's, if he's comfortable doing that, it's because, uh, or I should say, if he does that, it'll help them deal with this pace issue and getting run down. And I think that they end up, I, I again, I think they do have seven or eight guys that they could play and feel comfortable playing. And Jack McNeil has done that in the past. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see it, but I haven't seen too many procedural penalties. I know as soon as I say that, tomorrow it's going to be just a flag fest, but. Um, there also haven't been officials there, Greg Gillum, uh, who is the chief of staff for Luke Fickle. He's the one that has the uh, the the flags, and I haven't seen a ton of them come out, to be honest with you, but I think the officials they'll have officials here at some point soon and and maybe we'll have a better idea of uh, just how bad it is. Um, and Bobby asks, can will Pauling have an all big ten type of year from what you've seen in spring and the first couple of days? I'm on record as saying I think Will Pauling's going to lead the team in catches. I was really, really bad in my predictions last year, both on the camp and on Kenny and Heilprin. So that's probably not a good thing for Will. But I do. I, I mean, I, you think about the Wisconsin wide receivers that have been All Big Ten, and like, what are we talking? We talk about honorable mention All Big Ten. We talk about you know first or second team All Big Ten. There are so many talented wide receivers in this conference. It's going to be really, really hard for him to to crack into that, especially with what Ohio State has going on certainly some of the other guys that uh the conference boasts there's there's a lot of good ones but I think Will Pauling has a chance to have a special season I do because I think the slot is a spot that Phil we'd heard we heard Phil Longo talk about it before fall camp about how the only thing that he loves more than his kids and his wife is a slot receiver so it's the easiest position to get the ball to uh, uh, in this offense and they've got a unique skill set and will pauline has that unique skill set he's fast he's quick he's he can catch it he's tough and he's smart and when you have all those things you can really really challenge defense um, and i think he's going to have it the only thing that would hold me back from this is i think Skyler bell is a hell of a player too and so where exactly does his role fit in here uh, in the slot because i think both those guys are going to play how much they're going to play? How much they can play together? Maybe you're you're going five, four wide receiver sets, and you've got two slot guys, right? So slot right, slot left, and it becomes even more dangerous for Wisconsin's offense. But Will Pond, could he have an All Big Ten type of year? Yes. Does that mean he's going to be All Big Ten? Probably not, just because of some of the other guys that are that are sitting in here in this uh, in this conference. All right, so that is going to do it for. The questions about the team. There's also some questions about the Big Ten. I don't know if you guys heard. They made some moves this uh today. And that is uh likely adding Oregon and Washington to the Big Ten, which is now going to be at 18 teams. Do we change the name at all? I, I I don't think you changed the name. The cha- the, the name has has too much history. There's no there's no reason to change it. Uh, the Pac-12 changed their name from the Pac-10 to the Pac-12. And look at them now. It's it's all been downhill since then, right? All all downhill since they changed the name to Pac-12. No. It's an interesting move, and it's a move that probably should have been seen. I know that Kevin Warren actually suggested that they also invite them when they invited USC and UCLA. I can't imagine UCLA and USC are overly happy with this, but um, it is what it is. Oregon and Washington are good additions. They're not going to be getting the full money that is going to be required. I think I saw 35, 40 million. And then it'll be at a point where by the time the next TV deal comes around, I think that is uh, the, the plan. Maybe there's going to be some changes because I know that there were some people that weren't overly happy with uh, Oregon being specifically overly happy with th- that money layout. And again, as I'm talking about this, it could be old news within five minutes. So take that for what it's worth, but um, it's a good addition. It's at 18 teams. I personally don't think you stop at 18. I think you get to 20. And then I think you split it up into four pods and you have five team pods. Uh, and we figure this out scheduling wise. And I don't know who those two other teams are. It's certainly in my mind, it's certainly not Cal and Stanford. I think it's probably, you know, maybe North Carolina and, and Virginia. You try and grab them from the ACC if, and when you're able to break that through and twenty probably isn't the end of it either. I know people are, I, I, and I'm kind of in the same vein. I, I, I wish it would just get to the end of it, but I have no problem talking about it. I know there are some people that don't even want to talk about it. Uh, my co-host, my normal co-host, doesn't even want to talk about it because it's just who cares? Just let, wake me up at the end of this, and that's fine. But I want it to happen as quickly as possible, so I'm going to talk about it, and it and it is happening very very quickly. Wisconsin, they've gone from, you know, fourteen. They've gone from, what? 12 to 18 or even 11 to 18 in a little over 10 years, in 12 years, 13 years, that's pretty quick. And they've gone from 14 to 18 in two years. All right. Not even two years, a year. So it's, it is happening relatively quickly and it's certainly not done. It's certainly not done. But uh, some of the questions were, do you think the further conference expansion is going to have an impact on the upcoming home and home with Alabama? I don't because I don't think was I don't think the Big Ten is going to go to ten games ten a uh, ten game conference season if with these uh with these other teams coming in I don't think they are so it's going to stay as a nine game conference season in which case you still have those three non conference games they're scheduled I don't understand why you wouldn't play them now the schedule itself the Big Ten schedule itself is going to change obviously they're coming in to the conference next year Oregon and Washington that is and you're going to have UCLA, UCLA and USC coming in, and they had those schedules. They released them less than two months ago, and we looked at it and we're like, holy crap, look at that 2024 schedule. Look at that road schedule that uh, Wisconsin's got in 2024. Oh, my goodness. And then you look at their 2025 schedule and the, the home schedule. Oh, my goodness. So many great games in that 2025 schedule. It doesn't matter anymore. It's irrelevant at this point. They're going to have to revamp this, and they're going to have to go back to – I mean, they took a long time to come up with the uh, Flex Protect schedule, right? So you had every other team, depending on who you have as a rival, you had a protected rival. Wisconsin, two protected rivals, Minnesota and Iowa. They play them every year, and then there was uh, – the system had set was set up so you'd be able to rotate through, and you'd be playing every other team at least once every other year. And they're going to have to change that up a little bit, right? They're going to have to change that – that model up a little bit. You're adding two more teams into it. I don't know if you have to change it significantly, but there's there's going to be a little bit of a change. But I do not think it's going to affect Alabama, uh, the home and home with Alabama. I mean, that's next year and the year after. You're so close. You've been holding on to it for this long. I don't. I don't think if you know adding USC and UCLA aff- didn't affect it. I don't think adding Oregon and Washington is going to affect it either. So I think those games end up getting played. And I'm hopeful they do, because I can't wait to see Alabama and Madison. I can't wait to see Wisconsin down in Tuscaloosa. It could be a murder, <laughs> but it's, it's something I'm looking forward to, and I know fans are certainly looking forward to it as well. So Wisconsin has two more members in the Big Ten, Oregon, Washington. It's irrelevant for this year, but, man, 18, 18 teams in the Big Ten, not going to be done got to be adding more and we'll see exactly uh, what it all looks like when it's all done but i'm excited for it look i understand like i would be upset if i'm a washington state fan or if i'm an oregon state fan or if i'm a cal fan or if i'm a stanford fan even though i don't think there's a ton of fans for either of those two schools i'd be upset i'd be upset but i don't cover them i'm never a fan of their teams i don't really care college football, people are going to complain about it right now, and then they're going to watch the games on Saturdays. That's all that matters. I don't think there's going to be anything that uh, that stops that from happening uh, until they take the school names off the off the jerseys. People root for the names on the jerseys. They root for Wisconsin. They root for Michigan. They root for Ohio State. Yes, the players obviously matter, certainly matter, but they players come and go. The teams stay, and that's what they're rooting for, and – Adding Oregon and Washington, I don't think is going to make people cheer less for Wisconsin or be less inclined to watch the games. At least that's that's my opinion. My opinion. I don't know how anybody else feels. You are more than welcome to tell me I'm wrong. I'll accept that. But it is what it is. All right. We'll be back tomorrow. Jesse's going to join me to break down practice number four of spring. Until then, you've been listening to the camp.